Welcome to Why You Like This. Welcome to Why You Will Like This. My name is Jared, and this is a podcast where each episode, I do my best to tell you exactly why you will like one piece of entertainment that I've chosen. Now, that's not a guarantee that you will like all of the stuff that I pick, but I firmly believe that there's lots to like out there. And I want to do my best to share with all of you through appreciation and dive into what's great today. This episode, I'm talking about the television show Community. Uh, which aired for six seasons, five of them on NBC and one of them on Yahoo Screen, a total of 110 episodes. How I found this was, I think, uh, just by previews on NBC. So there's this kind of mythos in community fans that NBC was kind of terrible to this show and didn't show any promos or anything or trailers or any stuff like that. Uh, and that's true for the most part, especially in the later seasons. They really did not know how to market this show. But I originally saw it sometime over the summer. I must have been on NBC. And I clearly remember seeing a teaser. And this was at a time where I was making notes of like what television shows I wanted to watch and how what days I could watch them on. Kind of the early days of uh, Hulu and Netflix and stuff. So I was still watching stuff as it aired. I, yeah, I, this show caught my eye, and I checked it out for a few episodes, and then I kind of got bored, actually, or something got in the way, but I stopped watching, and then a friend of mine, Kevin, uh, told me that I should go back and watch, because he just saw an episode called Modern Warfare, and he said that it was amazing, and then I watched it, and it was amazing, and then I went back, and I caught up, and I, after that, from season two on, I didn't miss an episode, and uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. So, yeah. Uh, The description from IMDb is this. A suspended lawyer is forced to enroll in a community college with an eclectic staff and student body. Uh, The show is created by Dan Harmon. Uh, You'll probably know from Rick and Morty most recently, but he also wrote The Sarah Silverman Project, uh, or Sarah Silverman Show, sorry. Uh, But yeah, he's a writer that... uh, is pretty well renowned, I guess, and this is a show that it very much is in his voice, um, and uh, yeah, so he's yeah he's an interesting guy, but it's also uh, executive produced, and uh, the first episode was directed by the Rousseau brothers, who you'll know from the most recent Captain America movies, The Winter Soldier and Civil War, and then also uh, the Avengers movie that just came out, uh, Infinity War. And uh, they got their start in comedy directing. If you know Arrested Development, they were also big parts of that show. And this is another show kind of in that vein. Uh, And the one big reason, I guess, to watch this show would be 
concisely sort of that it's really weird and it's meta and it's off the beaten path. And if you're looking for anything like that, if you're interested in those things, sort of uh, avant-garde stuff, I guess, uh, this is a show for you because this show gets really weird and it's weird in a lot of different ways, but uh, weird in the best of ways. Like I, I am saying weird in a an affectionate way that it is strange and there are times where it's very confusing but all the time is funny and poignant and emotional and yeah so it's it's a real roller coaster of a ride and I think it's worth checking out even if you don't you know get into the first few episodes there are some episodes that are just amazing and some episodes that will make you laugh out of nowhere because of like references they pull and stuff so yeah it's it's a very mixed bag in the best of ways uh that it's it's trying to be that and it succeeds in that so if you're after that that's this is your show the uh show's main cast are first joe McHale, you'll know from the soup plays jeff winger uh then we have gillian jacobs who you'll possibly know from love the netflix show who plays britta perry uh then we got danny pooty who uh was in another nbc show powerless and also ducktales the new the new relaunched ducktales he's one of those uh kid ducks as abed nadir then we have uh allison brie you'll know from glow and bojack horseman and mad men uh she played trudy in mad men uh as annie edison uh then you got Event Nicole Brown, you'll know from the rebooted Odd Couple, uh, as Shirley Bennett. Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino of Atlanta and Solo, and just like you know, pretty much everything that's coming out now recently. He's on top of the world. Uh, he plays Troy Barnes, and then rounding out the Greendale Seven, you got Chevy Chase, who you know from SNL, Caddyshack, generally the '80s, as Pierce Hawthorne. And supporting cast, you got Ken Jeong of The Hangover. He was Mr. Chow in The Hangover as uh, Ben Chang, uh, Senior Ben Chang. Uh, then you got uh, Jim Rash, who is an Oscar winner. Oscar winner Jim Rash, who wrote The Descendants. Uh, he also was uh, an actor in Sky High. He plays Stitches the sidekick, which is, uh, if you know that movie, you know exactly who that guy is. And he is just as bananas in this show as he is in that movie uh well no maybe uh it's yeah i guess it's a top up toss up uh but uh yeah so uh yeah jim rash plays uh dean pelton uh then we got uh there's also john oliver of last week tonight who plays uh professor ian duncan and then if that cast is not just a dream team of actors who i think really most of them kind of exploded because of this show if not because of the popularity of this show, but just because they're such good actors, and I feel like and anybody who watches this show keeps these people in mind, and they keep getting better parts, and this is the beginning of the career for a lot of these people. Uh, so, yeah. Those people are all great, but then there are a ton of guest stars. Uh, I mean, there are 110 episodes, and there are so many people in this show. Some of the best of them are Paget Brewster, Keith David, Jonathan Banks, John Goodman, Malcolm Jamal Warner, John Michael Higgins, Rob Corddry, Michael Kenneth Williams, Brie Larson, Mel Rodriguez, Matt Jones, Betty White, LeVar Burton, 
Giancarlo Esposito, Patton Oswald, Camille Nanjiani, Nathan Fillion, Hillary, Hillary Duff, and George Takei, just to name a few. And there are so many, many more people who are huge stars and people who are kind of, you know, deep cuts or uh, genre people that they're all great and they're all bananas. And yeah, that leads me into one of the big, uh, I just have two big sort of overarching themes that I want to talk to you today about, uh, talk about today. Uh, and the first one is uh, the characters uh, and the actors that all of these people, if you know them, you know that they're all amazing. And each one of them is also, in this show, they're amazing. But they're also so different in this show, too. It's, that's, I think, maybe something that people don't think about comedies a lot. That you need to have very different people doing different things to have a really good comedy show, I think. That you can either go sort of... I guess I see Seinfeld as a show that's kind of all one note, that it's all, it's all complaining by everybody, and so everybody kind of powers on that. And, the, you know, each of the characters sort of have different uh, comedy stylings a little bit, but for the most part, they're kind of approaching everything the same way. Well, this is a show where everybody approaches stuff uh, very differently uh, and, and are very different actors and, yeah, hit different beats and stuff. And... Because of that, they not only bounce off of each other really well because they're not kind of all struggling for the, those same punchlines or those same beats, but they heighten everything because they're all looking in different spots to add different things. And it's uh, just a delight to watch because, uh, yeah, again, these actors, they're all great. And they're all, like, actor-actors, too. That um, Like, not to say anything bad about comedians or you know, uh, comedy people, but these are also people who take the acting part of this show very seriously, which I feel like sometimes in comedies that can slip away a little bit, the acting part of it, the emotional, emotionally resonant bits can kind of fall in the cracks if you're just looking for all of those jokes, uh, which is fine. Like, I mean, that's a, that's one way to make a show, but this show isn't that, and it understands that, and it plays really well into that by having cast all of these really great actors who um yeah are, are just are just wonderful um so yeah the characters then too are all weirdos in again the very best way that they're strange that they're uh not all together that they are very purposely broken not only for the narrative of the show but also for the kind of comedic effects that, you know, characters will say have a blind spot in their reasoning, and you will get comedy out of that, uh, which I think is one of the best ways to write comedy, that, you know, there's, you can, again, there's so many different ways to do so many things, uh, which is, you know, a nonsense saying that I just made up, but uh, in comedy especially, there are lots of different ways to get comedy out of a certain setup, and this show usually takes the weirdest path, and the least well-worn path, it may, it will, it will probably likely breeze right past kind of the conventional joke, the regular setup, and it'll pick something very strange, like somebody having a break from reality and hallucinating a Christmas episode, uh, and just stuff like that. And I find that 
endlessly fascinating and exciting to watch because each week or each episode, I guess, you don't know what's happening. And yeah, I think that's, again, another sort of off the beaten path kind of shakeup of uh, comedy show half hour uh, conventions. And yeah, so yeah, again, that main group, uh, they're often referred to as the Greendale Seven of Jeff, Britta, Abed, Annie, Shirley, Troy, Troy, sorry, Pierce, uh, are all excellent as a group and they work really well when they're all sitting at the study table which is you know some of the most fun stuff to watch because it's you know bang 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 it's just joke after joke after joke and it doesn't stop for anything and it doesn't stop for you it doesn't stop for the characters and it's all you know so fast which uh is you know a nightmare to have to make that but to watch is just you know a a delight but also they pair up in really interesting ways that there are some of the iconic pairings are like Troy and Abbott are, you know, perhaps one of the greatest friendships on television. Uh, but then there's also, you know, Jeff and Britta and Jeff and Annie and Jeff and Abbott and Annie and Shirley and other people who aren't Jeff and those characters, but also Jeff as a main character is he's kind of a little bit bland, but also there are, he's that, that bland is sort of trying to, uh, obfuscate his real strangeness that he has that he feels kind of ashamed of, which is, you know, again, not something new that usually your main character is the most grounded, kind of the most in touch with reality, but he's that, but also has hints of every single one of these other characters that they could be like projections of himself that maybe he's just sitting at this table alone and is hallucinating all that stuff. Like that could have been uh a plot to this show because that's where this show goes and that's what this show does um but yeah so yeah all those pairs and when people trio up uh it's all fun because it it always keeps in mind that these are our main folks these are the people that we're sticking with and you know so however many stories are going on in an episode uh storylines are happening in that episode they're always keeping in mind that these are the characters who we all relate to because they make them relatable. Uh, The actors make them relatable. The writing makes it relatable. Um, Yeah, and again, it's just, uh, it's a wild ride. It's bananas. And speaking of bananas, some of the best parts of this show are the side characters. That again, if you know me and if you've listened to these last episodes, you know that I like a good side character. This is another show that has tons of them, bucket loads of them, from those guest stars that I mentioned earlier to kind of recurring people who are not as bigger actors, but are just kind of, you know, the people who would normally be uh, in the background of places, uh, you know, at this school, like just other students, but they get punched up in ways that are just uh, amazing, that the writers are really having a lot of fun with them, I think. Um, And yeah, so some of them are, uh, I mentioned uh, the Dean, who is uh, played by Jim Rash, and he is, uh, you know, kind of a side character. He sort of becomes a main character as everybody sort of realized that the Dean is a great character and that Jim Rash is just an amazing performer. Uh, and so he comes back in more crazy ways and uh you know the big thing with him is his outfits and that 
you know, he's kind of confused, but they also don't, they play that as, uh, it's, it's not so mean-spirited, I don't think, that the Dean is a bananas person, but they don't make him, they don't make fun of him. Well, no, yeah, they do. But it's not a cruel fun. It's not everybody's laughing at him. It's that they laugh at him, but then they also understand him because he's, uh, you know, a part of the gang still. But then there's also, you know, Senor Chang, uh, who is just, I mean, literally insane. And he goes on a crazy journey. And it's so fun to see his progress through this show because season one, he sort of starts out as kind of a kooky character. And then season two, it builds. And season three is where he really loses it. And then he sort of like starts to come back a little bit. And so that's fun to see. Uh, and again, he's another person that, you know, they spend more and more time with him as uh, he gets better and better, um, more fleshed out and stuff. But then there's also uh, John Oliver's uh, Professor Duncan, who is great. Again, another sort of uh, counterpoint to a lot of these characters that he's sort of a little bit more grounded, but also just so weird, um, which is great. But then there's also, you know, side characters like uh, there's Leonard, there's Garrett, there's Starburns, Vicky, Neil, Magnitude, Officer Kukowski, Todd, and Annie Kim. Uh, and if you've watched this show, you know all of those people and you know that they all have great moments. Uh, and it's really fun to like, you know, see if, um, Neil's gonna pop up again, or where's Magnitude been, or what's he's been up to, or what is his deal? Um, that this show has such a rich imagination with that, that it, uh, it's really not trying to ground itself in any way, but it's also very grounded. It's just grounded in different spots than you'd think. That it's grounded in the emotional growth of these characters, which is, you know, something that, um, comedies can struggle with. That it's hard to progress your characters if your uh, jokes and the comedy is coming from the way that they are broken, that if they are strange and you're getting jokes out of how strange they are, then if you change that strangeness, where are your jokes going to come from? But this show just barrels ahead with that and lets these characters loose, that it as the characters evolve, the jokes evolve, and the interactions evolve. And I think that's something that, uh, well, shows like, and there are a lot of similarities to these shows, but shows like 30 Rock or New Girl or How I Met Your Mother are shows that I think really struggle with the stagnation of the growth of their characters. This is a show that says, yeah, our characters are going to grow. They're going to get stranger. They're going to get caught up in more stuff. Other things are going to happen because time is passing, but we're okay with that. And in fact, we are diving right into that. And if a character learns a lesson one episode, that next episode or the next five episodes or whatever are going to be about what that change was, how that change has affected things, and we're just going to run with it, which I think is really admirable. I, I don't know that many shows do that, not just comedies, but also dramas that uh, it's very easy to sort of slip into, well, yeah, so this is the NCIS team, these are what their quirks are, this is what they do, this is what they don't do, and that's what it is for 10 seasons or whatever. You know, not to knock that, again, if you want that stuff, go get that stuff. Wonderful, amazing. But if you want something else, this is that something else show. Uh, 
yeah, so that's it. Yeah, characters and the actors are terrific. Then I also want to mention really quick uh, the music, that this isn't necessarily a super heavy music show, that uh, comedy is not really a realm where music is super front-facing, but it, it does have very good music, and it's an interesting story that the music tells. That um, So the music is composed, for the most part, by uh, Ludwig Gornson, who you'll know from uh, he works with Childish Gambino, but then he also recently scored uh, the Black Panther movie, um, which is amazing, and I think his musical composition for this show is really good, too. It, it's very minimal, but it is um, memorable, too, that uh, he's a great theme composer. Uh, but it, but there's also a lot of um, pop songs, not pop songs, but, like, songs, uh, pre-recorded songs that are used uh, and are fit into um, the show that are not that were not composed for this show specifically, and a lot of that stuff works too. But it it that's not a that's not really a primary sort of thing that this show does. But it's it's not that it's bad. It's 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 good, but it's it's a little bit different than I've talked about music um, before, I guess. So yeah, uh, and then also writing. Um, yeah, writing is the other big thing. That, again, television is a writer's medium. Uh, there's a reason why there aren't so many good movies anymore. It's because all of those writers are now writing TV. They can write more, they can write longer, they can write crazier stuff. And this is a show that is incredibly dense. You know, you guys know that I like dense stuff. This show is one of the densest out there. It's uh, it's, it's dense like, um, Veep is dense, that Veep has a million jokes a minute. This is another show that has a lot of jokes a minute, but more has lots of running gags, lots of side characters, as I said, lots of homages, lots of references, lots of satire. It goes super deep into uh, quite a few, uh, satires or homages, um, and I love that. I love even when I don't know what they're referencing. Like, uh, you know, I haven't watched an episode of Law & Order, uh, but I still know the conventions of Law & Order, and when that Law & Order episode comes up, it is just a delight to see the change of pace, to, like, uh, see the direction change, to see the cinematography change, to see the characters change a little bit to kind of fit into that episode's world, but also retain their core of that they're not just playing an adventure they're kind of buying into this convention which is usually facilitated through Abed's sort of uh belief that he is living in a television show which nobody else in the show believes but of course as viewers ourselves we know that he's actually right which is kind of a fun winking uh fourth wall break there and if you like that if you like a Deadpool or stuff like that, then, again, this is another show for you. And if you don't like that, I think you'll be surprised by how they treat the fourth wall breaks, that uh, sometimes they, they fall back into that well uh, kind of through instinct, but also, again, the thing that the best of Deadpool and the best of this show do is still ground that in really important stories, really... Uh, true emotions and lessons and stuff that even if Abed believes that he's in a television show, that doesn't mean that he just throws his hands up and 
you know, kills himself or whatever, he's still living that life. He's still alive in that world. And so he has to interact with it in that way. And I think done well, those fourth wall breaks can be really good. Um, yeah. So, but it also, uh, the writing also, as it's out there, it, it, it shares a lot of in common with uh, kind of the cartoon or animated shows like uh, The Simpsons or Futurama that, you know, there are cutaways, that there's a lot of, you know, kind of logical breaks and, uh, you know, physics doesn't necessarily work the same in this world and science isn't the same, but it doesn't become really a sci-fi show. There are bits of it that draw on sci-fi and there are bits of it that draw on those kind of classic animation shows, but it, 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 it's also, it's still a show about these seven people who are attending a community college full of strange people and realizing that they are also those strange people attending that school and kind of grappling with that uh, and having a lot of fun with it too, though. Um, yeah. And it also is just really funny all the time. That I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than this is a show that makes me laugh out loud. It is funny and weird and out there. And yeah, just delightful. And in terms of those references that I mentioned, it's it's again, it's like The Simpsons in that you don't necessarily have to know what it's referencing for things to be funny to you. But if you do know what the references are, or you do learn later, like you know, I've had the experience of watching an episode and then watching whatever it's referencing, or watching something and then figuring out that it was a reference, and then coming back to the show and saying, "Oh yeah, that." That's why that's that funny. I get that now. That is what they are doing with this. And I really like that, that it's another, it's another show that broadens itself, that wants you to open up to watching more television, watching other movies, paying attention to other things. And again, that density is really, I, I just eat that up. That's, yeah, that's something that I think is really, really good really good stuff yeah it's yummy delicious um, nom 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 but it's also it's a very bold show too that it when it does reference stuff sometimes it's just in passing but then sometimes again there are whole episodes about like uh a law and order episode was one that i mentioned or there's an 8-bit video game episode or there's like a david fincher homage episode um, or, you know, all of these different things that it, the writers are saying, okay, this is our premise, and we are going to do this, and we are going to heighten it in a lot of ways, as opposed to sort of just writing an episode similar to something and kind of just playing that off and not going really deep. This show goes really deep, like, you know, cameras will change, and directing will change, and it'll be a different show for an episode because that's what's funny that week. That is what they're doing that episode. And um, yeah, I think it deserves a lot of credit for that. That that was one of the reasons why this show was kind of always in peril. It's another, like, if you ever watched Chuck, that these two shows were both, every season, people are like, okay, is it going to get renewed? Is it going to get canceled? What's going to happen? 
In fact, at one point, Dan Harmon gets fired after season three. So he leaves for season four, which is, you know, not a great season. And then he comes back for season five and season six. And it's like, who, how does that happen? He should have left after season four. Season four was kind of the not so great season that it was, and the show should have been canceled. But no, the fans were like, we want Dan Harmon back. We want this show back. And NBC was like, oh, okay. And then they canceled it after that season. Then Yahoo picked it up. And then Yahoo was like, yeah, so we like lost a ton of money. Whoops. But this show endures, and these characters endure, and they're great pretty much no matter what. Um, and that's such a testament to the writers who work on it. Even in that fourth season, there's a lot to play with here, but it is a very much a Dan Harmon show, and his presence was missed. Um, but uh, yeah, so fingers crossed for that eventual movie. Six seasons in a movie! Um, but uh, yeah. And it also, at the end of the day, it's a smart show, and it's not trying to be anything other than a smart show. That it doesn't talk down to you, it doesn't try to simplify things too often. It says, "This is what we're doing. We're going all into this, and if you like it, you'll love it. But if you don't like it, well, yeah, you should probably tune out. Like, don't, yeah. If you don't, if you can't hang on to this fast." moving ride then this really isn't the show for you because it's just going to get faster and weirder from now on so uh yeah if you want a fast crazy funny ride you check out community and some standout episode to close this out are uh season one episode one the pilot is just like i mean you should watch every show's first episode to get a feel uh but if that doesn't uh, whet your appetite, then you can do uh, Season 1, Episode 23, Modern Warfare, which is that episode that I talked about that got me back into this show. It's a uh, paintball episode, but it's filmed like it's a war movie, and it's actually directed by Justin Lin, who, if you know who that is, you'll know kind of what you're in store for there. But he did, he's uh, known for um, Fast and the Furious, and also the, he did a Star Trek movie. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, then there's also, uh, season two, episode six, Epidemiology, which is a excellent Halloween episode. This is a show that does a lot of really fun holiday episodes. Like I mentioned, there's a Christmas episode too that has, uh, stop motion animation, which is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, Epidemiology is a Halloween episode. These Halloween episodes are also usually very good. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, season two, episode six. Then episode eight of season two, Cooperative Calligraphy, is how I learned what a bottle episode is. So it's an episode that takes place all in the study room, and it's very aware that that's what it's doing, and it leans into all of that, and it hits all those conventions. Uh, but it also, these characters grow because of this, and it's referenced later in the show because it's a kind of seminal episode, because not just not just because of sort of the critical acclaim, but also because of what it means to these characters. Um, yeah. Uh, then uh, season two, episode 14, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It's amazing. They play Dungeons and Dragons, and it's exciting, even though it's only them talking at a table. There's no animation. There's no role-playing, really. I mean, it's just them talking, but it is dramatic. It is funny. It is sad. It is weird. And great. 
Uh, then uh, we got episode uh, season two, episode 21, Paradigms of Human Memory, which is a clip show, but not of previously seen clips. So it's making fun of clip shows. You know, clip shows are shows that are just clips of the television program kind of like presented in like, these are the memories of this people. And what about all these great times? And it's like all flashbacks. But this one is making fun of that by having all new clips, but everybody referencing them like you would in a normal clip show. It's just a lot of fun. And again, that meta humor really gets me. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, And then the finale of season two, that's episode 23 and 24, a fistful of paintballs and a few paintballs more. Another paintball episode, again, a sequel to the original Modern Warfare paintball episode uh, directed by the Rousseau brothers and an homage to Western movies and then also to Star Wars, uh, which is just great. I love when they lean into this stuff. And there is also, again, emotional stakes to all of this, which is not to be kind of pushed aside, but the study group changes because of the consequences of those two episodes, um, which is just great. Uh, and then season three, episode four, Remedial Chaos Theory. This is an episode that uh, won the show an Emmy uh, for writing. Uh, then in season three, we got episode 14, Pillows and Blankets, which is a homage to Ken Burns documentaries, but it's about a pillow fight, which is just like, if you're not, if you're not on board for me saying that, then get out of here. What are you doing? It's amazing and funny. Uh, maybe, maybe my favorite episode, actually. Like, there's some other ones that may be a little bit better, I guess. But this, yeah, that episode is just like, oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Uh, then episode 17 of season three, Basic Lupine Urology. That's that Law & Order episode that I mentioned. Uh, episode 320, uh, Digital Estate Planning. That's the 8-bit video game adventure. Um, then we skip a season because season four is not that great. Uh, 503 basic intergluteal pneumastics. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Pneumastics. Smastics. Anyways, the ass crack bandit returns. Then episode uh, five of season five, geothermal escapism is when a character leaves, but they also get into an epic game of uh, The Floor is Lava. Uh, It's a lot of fun, and again, very consequential. And characters are changed because of it. And then Season 6, Episode 13, Emotional Consequences of Broadcast Television, the series and season finale. One of the best. This show had three season finale, or well, four series finales, really, kind of. Well, now three. But after the third season, they thought they were canceled. Then also after the fourth season, they thought they were canceled. And then season six, they thought they were canceled. So they made finales for all of those. Uh, But, you know, fourth or fifth time was the charm, though, because they really knock it out of the park with the finale of season six. It's one of the most... um, poignant and touching and amazing finales I've ever seen. I mean, I, yeah, that episode just hit me in the feels really hard and I think is just a real work of 
art uh, worth checking out after you've watched all of the other episodes. Um, but yeah, so that is community. Uh, yeah, if you have watched that show, let me know. Hit me up. This show can be contacted on Twitter and Instagram at WYWLT. And uh, you can email the show at WYWLT at gmail.com. Um, yeah, let me know. Uh, does this interest you? Are you... What is your favorite episode? Uh, what, whatever. Oh, yeah. I, well, yeah. Uh, and then subscribe to the show on, you know, wherever you get it. And tell some friends about it. If you want to, that'd be fun. Next episode, we're going to do uh, episodes every two weeks from now on. Um, so next episode is going to be in two weeks, and that episode is going to be about something a little bit different, a documentary series called Chef's Table, uh, available on Netflix. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Sayonara. Bye-bye. Thank you.